Tech Writer Worldwide. It's the High Tech Podcast in plain English with an hour's worth of news in about 20 minutes. That's because we leave out the commercials, the station breaks, the sports, and most of the jingles. Podcast number 705 for the 7th of August, 2020. As the number of digital images we accumulate increases, possibly at an alarming rate, finding one specific image becomes challenging. Artificial intelligence can help. In short circuits, device drivers are among the most problematic issues for Windows users, but they're virtually invisible, and that makes keeping them up to date difficult. There are applications that can help, but they do need to be treated with care. Although a bad device driver can cause a problem with keyboards, sometimes the keyboard just fails. Microsoft wants more than $100 for their keyboard cover that fits on Surface Pro tablets, but a third-party keyboard for half that price offers a lot of useful features. In spare parts, only on the website, Mozilla has begun offering a virtual private network. It is currently limited to Windows computers and both iOS and Android mobile devices in six countries, but more devices and more countries are coming. Two mechanical dogs are wandering around a Ford plant, helping engineers to collect data for a planned retooling. And 20 years ago, Bluetooth devices were just beginning to be sold. They were expensive and they had security flaws. Now it's hard to find a device without Bluetooth built in. When you started using a digital camera, finding a particular image was probably easy. As people transitioned from film to digital, they kept film habits and took few pictures. Then we realized that each picture was free. Now we are buried in piles of images so gigantic that searching for one is daunting. XIR Photo speeds the search. XIR has two products that help users find what they're looking for. XIR Search, which is a plug-in for Adobe Lightroom Classic, and the standalone application XIR Photo. You might want to consider using both of them. Lightroom Classic users can add tags manually to images, but it's easy to skip that step. XIR Search analyzes the images in a Lightroom catalog and adds tags automatically. But even if you use the XIR Search application in Lightroom, XIR Photo can be a tremendous help. And if you don't use Lightroom Classic, it is simply the best and easiest way to drill down to a specific image. Here's a confession. I have been using digital cameras since the late 1990s, and the digital images folder contains more than 70,000 images in 1,215 folders. That's a total of nearly 700 gigabytes. By the time Lightroom came along, I had nearly a decade's worth of saved images. My organization process started with one directory for each year and a subdirectory for various major events. Even though Lightroom doesn't need hierarchical directories, I continued to use that process with a small change. I created only 12 directories within each year's directory, one for each month. 
So I had a decade's worth of images with no keywords at all, and another decade's worth of images that sometimes had keywords but often didn't. Most of the time I remembered to have Lightroom rename files on import with a descriptive term, but not always. When I could remember the year in which the photo I was looking for had been taken, finding what I was looking for might take as little as a few minutes, and sometimes more than an hour. Sometimes several days over several different search attempts when I misremembered. Here's an example of that. When I was looking for a photograph that I thought I had taken around my younger daughter's college graduation, I couldn't find it. After several fruitless searches, I finally concluded that I must have somehow deleted the file. Then I realized the image was one I had taken when she graduated from high school. So I looked four years earlier and found it. XIR Photo would have led me to the right image in a minute or two, maybe less. Before getting into what XIR Photo can do, there is one step I should explain that's important at the outset to avoid a bit of grief. Consider where the application's database should be stored. You're not given an option at installation time, and using the application before setting a preferred location might fill your boot disk with a lot of files. This is particularly important if you have a relatively small boot drive and other larger drives for data. The process of moving the database files is easy, and XIR explains it on their forum. There's a link to that on the TechBiter Worldwide website. The problem I encountered was that I had already imported all 70,000-plus files, and moving more than 17 gigabytes of data, consisting of more than 140,000 files, in 1,835 directories took many hours. If you know you'll want the data files to be stored on some other drive, make that change before you import any files. Again, you can't do that at installation. You need to do it the first time you run the application. After the application has examined all of the files, the user interface will be populated with a lot of useful information. A list of directories on the left side of the interface. A green check mark means that all of the files in the directory and any subdirectories have been examined and added to the database. If a directory has no photo files, XIR Photo displays a white box. In most cases, files in those directories were sidecar files created by other applications. A few of my earlier directories didn't display a checkmark, and the analysis process ended with a message explaining that some of the files could not be added. In every single case, these were either files that were too small or files that had been somehow damaged. The solution involves locating these files and then either moving them or deleting them. In the early days, I had stored some slideshows in a subdirectory of the folder that had the original images. That's a bad idea. Once those files were out of the way, running the analysis on that single directory ended normally, and I got the green check mark. On the right side of the interface, you'll see a list of keywords that XIR Photo has added. These are in two categories, content, which indicates the subject, such as animal, food, or person, and photography, which indicates techniques such as bright, leading lines, aerial, or symmetry. Four icons at the top of the right side allow searching by keywords, finding faces, finding photos that contain a specific person or persons, and searching for photos similar to one you've selected. 
A slider at the left top of the interface controls the thumbnail image sizes. So let's take a look at how some of these search options function and check out the TechBiter Worldwide website, www.techbiter.com, to see the images. Again, this isn't television. I selected Symmetry from the section with Photographic Tags, and XIR Photo returned 64 images that displayed symmetric images. If you install XIR Photo, it's important to note that the keywords you'll see will be different from the keywords I see. If your photos don't include any symmetrical images, images with leading lines or pictures of cats, those keywords won't appear. On the other hand, if you have photographs of dogs or the Statue of Liberty, you will find those keywords. There were some photos of chocolate in my 70,000 files. Yes, that's a keyword I found. And there are a few images that XIR returned using the term chocolate that really don't contain chocolate, but they do look a lot like chocolate, so the overall accuracy is remarkable. It's possible to create a more complex search term using the Find Faces option. I looked for images that contained at least two faces, specified an adult or elderly, male or female, and smiling. I limited the number of images to be returned to just 100. In case you're wondering, by the way, each of these searches that I've described took only a few seconds. In viewing the resulting images with two or more faces, I found an image of my wife and older daughter. I selected both of them and told XIR Photo to return the first 100 images that it could find with either of them in the picture. I could also have selected either my wife or older daughter and searched only for photos that contained that person. There are also options to select only photos where the subject's eyes are open or closed, or where the subject is smiling or not smiling. So I know you're wondering just how many pictures of cats I have. Out of 70,000 images, 5,384 are of cats. When you select an image, XIR Photo displays the keywords associated with the image. The user can also add their own keywords by typing them into a text box cleverly labeled Add Keywords Here. Additionally, you'll see any metadata associated with the image. For example, the image's dimensions, the identity of the camera that created the image, the date and time the image was created. Now, that assumes the date and time were set properly on the camera. Shutter speed, lens aperture, focal length of the lens, ISO, and things like that. And these vary a lot over the years. Earlier cameras were very primitive. Right-clicking an image opens a context menu that includes an Open With command, you might wonder, if you'll take a look at this, why Lightroom and Lightroom Classic are missing from the list, while Photoshop and a lot of other applications that can show or edit the image are present. I think this is why. Lightroom and Lightroom Classic edit images indirectly by writing instructions to a database, so their absence from this list isn't surprising. The applications in the list all open images directly. Lightroom Classic users might be better served by the XIR Search plugin that has recently been updated, and I'll review it in a few weeks. There are advantages to the standalone XIR Photo, though, particularly if you use more than one editing application or if you don't use Lightroom. XIR suggests four possible workflows. First, use XIR Photo as the main photo manager. In that workflow, XIR would be the application you use to manage keyword and categorize photos. You would then use the Edit In function to modify an image. 
Because there is no option for using Lightroom Classic in this workflow, most Lightroom users probably won't use it this way. The advantage XR Photo offers Lightroom users is the ability to quickly find a file and then to be able to use the location information to open the file with the Adobe product. Second, they suggest using XR Photo just for keywording. The keywords would be stored in a digital negative file or sidecar file for non-DNG images. Third, you might use XIR Photo for keywording and culling. This workflow would speed the process of preparing images for other applications, and it would do that because of XIR's ability to detect images where the subject's eyes are closed or where the subject is not smiling. And the fourth option, using XIR Photo and Lightroom Classic or Capture One in tandem. The user would organize, cull, and create collections in XIR Photo and then export the files for import into whichever other application you're working with. So the bottom line here is five cats. XIR Photo speeds the process of finding digital images. The application offers the fastest and easiest way to find photographs, even if you haven't added any keywords yourself, and even if some of the photos are so old that they predate the ability to add keywords. As helpful as the keywords XIR Photo ads are, some of the greatest power is the ability to show it one photo and have it find similar photos or photos that contain one or more of the same people. You'll find additional details on the XIR website. There's a link from the TechBiter Worldwide website, www.techbiter.com. If you find these podcasts useful, and I hope you do, might you consider a donation? There are no ads here, and support from listeners is the sole source of income. It's easy. Just visit the website and click the Donate button near the top of any page. You can make a one-time donation or schedule a repeating donation every month. I thank you. And so does the cat. In short circuits, device drivers are among the most problematic issues for Windows users, but they are virtually invisible, and that makes keeping them up-to-date challenging. Video drivers are probably the worst offenders, but not the only offenders. Computer crashes, whether it's a blue screen or otherwise, are often caused by old, faulty drivers. It's not just a problem for Windows, though. Every operating system uses drivers. You can think of these things as translators that aid communication between an operating system and a motherboard, a keyboard, a printer, or just about anything else that's in the computer or connected to it. Microsoft and other manufacturers provide universal drivers. They're basic, and using generic drivers can save manufacturers of the various devices the cost of development. But drivers designed specifically for a particular device will work better. That's particularly the case for video systems. The problem with drivers is that they can cause system crashes, and developers then create updated drivers that resolve whatever problems cause the crash. There's no process in Windows that checks for new drivers and installs them. That's left for others. There is no shortage of applications designed to find updated drivers and install them. Some are free, open-source applications, and others are commercial applications that often have a free offering.
Despite disliking some of IOBIT's marketing procedures, I've settled on the company's free driver booster. There is a paid version, and those who are serious gamers should probably consider the paid version. It costs about $23 a year. That covers three computers, and even though IOBIT claims their regular price is $75 a year, it seems that nobody really ever pays that. There are some gotchas to avoid when installing IOBIT applications, so let's start there. After downloading an application from IOBIT, run the installer and choose Custom Install. This actually turns out to be less important for Driver Booster than for many of the company's other applications. Some of IOBIT's other applications will offer to install applications you don't need or want. But when I installed Driver Booster, the only options were to create a desktop icon and to pin an icon to the taskbar. I was okay with both of those. But pay close attention. During the installation, I was offered the WaterFox browser. I declined it. IOBIT may offer WaterFox's browser to you, or it might offer something else, and there may be more than one offering. Decline all of them. When the installation is complete, have Driver Booster scan the system. If the application finds any outdated drivers, it'll offer to install updated versions. You can install these one at a time or choose to install all of them at once. Caution would suggest installing one at a time, but expediency won the day for me. After all, the Surface 6 Pro I was using at the time isn't my primary computer. You'll see a warning that describes several situations that might be concerning, and I do applaud IOBIT for including that explanation. After the application has updated all your old drivers, you'll be offered a bunch of other IOBIT applications and options. Just click the X in the upper right corner to close that dialog. In general, IOBIT's applications are okay. It's just their marketing that I have a problem with. It's easy to blame the wrong thing for a problem. Mechanics and computer technicians are familiar with the last touched it syndrome. The person who fixes a computer problem is automatically assumed to be the cause of anything that happens within the next month or so. That also happens to auto repair folks. Is the tech responsible? Maybe, but probably not. And of course, that means I have a story to tell. Shortly after I had used IOBIT's driver booster on the Surface Pro tablet, the much overpriced $130 keyboard started misbehaving. Misbehaving in that pressing any key had one of two effects, nothing at all or a blue screen of death. Neither of those is particularly useful. So my first thought was that the driver had been damaged and it was probably IOBIT's fault. So I began an analysis process that started with my removing the keyboard, shutting the computer down, restarting the system, and attaching the keyboard. No change. So then I started running through a fairly standard series of steps. I removed the keyboard, cleaned the contacts on the keyboard and the computer, and reattached the keyboard. No change. 
I checked the keyboard drivers. Windows reported that they were all up-to-date and functioning normally. Well, that lets driver booster off the hook. I ran the Surface Diagnostic Utility. Yes, Microsoft has a utility specifically for Surface tablets. No problems found. I ran the Deployment Image Servicing and Management tool. Yeah, no problem there. Then I attempted a System Restore, which wasn't successful. Well, then I brought out the big hammer. Reset the PC, keeping the files. That, of course, meant that I would have to reinstall a lot of applications, but it would also ensure that the operating system would be pristine and not the cause of the problem. With a new, clean installation of Windows, the keyboard still failed to work, but at least at that point, it no longer threw blue screen errors. So I tried using the device manager to remove the keyboard, and I reattached the keyboard, Windows detected and installed it, and then reported the device to be ready. But it still didn't work. At that point, there was no logical explanation other than simple hardware failure. So I decided to replace the keyboard, but not with another Microsoft device. Instead, I ordered a Thompson 1089A keyboard, which is a Bluetooth device. I attached it, told Bluetooth to find it, and it works. There are advantages, and at least one disadvantage, to replacing a Microsoft keyboard with a third-party keyboard. Advantage number one, the keyboard does not have to be attached to the Surface Pro. It can be detached from the computer and still work. Another advantage, when folded back, the cover is held in place magnetically. The Microsoft keyboard cover tended to flop away from the computer, and that may eventually have taken its toll on a fine cable that links the connections to the keyboard. Third advantage, unlike the failed Microsoft device, the third-party device works. And advantage number four, the replacement cost was approximately $50 instead of $130. But there is one disadvantage I found. Because it doesn't connect directly to the computer and therefore has a Bluetooth circuit, it has a battery that must be recharged. So if you have a Surface Pro 3 through Surface Pro 7 and you find the keyboard has failed, this $50 replacement is worth considering. And if you're in the market for a Surface Pro, using a third-party keyboard from the beginning will save you some money and might provide some additional benefits. One advantage that Spare Parts has is that it's right there on the TechBiter Worldwide website. This week, you'll find these articles. Mozilla has begun offering a virtual private network. It's currently limited to Windows computers and both iOS and Android mobile devices in six countries, but more devices and more countries are coming. Two mechanical dogs are wandering around a Ford plant, helping engineers to collect data for a planned retooling. And 20 years ago, Bluetooth devices were just beginning to be sold. They were expensive, and they had security flaws. Now it's hard to find a device without Bluetooth built in. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide, the podcast with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. I'm Bill Blinn. Be sure to check out the website, www.techbiter.com. And if you like, send me an email from there. See you next week.